BBOR Black Box Online Radio, coming to you from West Virginia, Black Box Nerd 88 on Instagram for the bonus podcast. And hello everybody and welcome to this special presentation of Black Box Online Radio. My name is Ned DeHaan and I am your host. You may be noticing that this introduction was a little bit different than the one that I use normally throughout the week. And I want to be very clear that this video is not monetized, and I didn't use the original introduction because that talks about a novel that I've written and the merchandise for the show. I don't want any of that to be connected to this series that is now going to be coming out on the weekends, talking about a new possible discovery in the Zodiac Killer mystery. And I also have to provide the information that this is not something that I have discovered on my own. Instead, this is something that another researcher has been working on, and he chose to share with me. Recently on the channel, I was talking about some possible discoveries that were made involving the Zodiac ciphers by an individual who uses the internet name Sphere the Cube, also known as Sphery, and I'll be referring to him as Sphery throughout the duration of the series. To the diehard Black Box Online radio listeners, you will remember that Sphery was the, the person who made a possible solve for the Zodiac Killer's Z18 code, as well as the Z32 cipher. The Zodiac was a serial killer who operated in California in the 1960s, The first Zodiac crime occurred on December 20th of 1968 with the Lake Herman Road murders, which saw the deaths of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. The second Zodiac crime was roughly seven months later, on July 4th of 1969, which saw the murder of Darlene Farron and the shooting of Mike Majot, although Mike Majot was able to survive the attack. Then, after the shooting... At approximately 12.40 in the morning, maybe even 12.40 precisely, somebody made a phone call saying that they were responsible for not only the Blue Rock Springs shooting, but also the Lake Herman Road murders, using the exact term, I also killed those kids last year. And then, at the end of July 1969, somebody wrote a letter in three copies giving very specific information about the Lake Herman Road murders, as well as the Blue Rock Springs shooting, referring to them as the kids that he killed last Christmas and the girl on the 4th of July, but stating with absolute certainty that they were the kids at Lake Herman, and of course talking about Darlene Farron on the 4th of July, because not only was there the phone call, but the killer also provided facts that only he and the police would know. But I think that this series truly begins, in in my connection to it, with the 408 cipher, which was also mailed at that time. In fact, the Zodiac Killer is even more famous for his letters and ciphers than he was for the murders. I mean, those are the things that have truly made this mystery stay alive in the minds of many, and people are trying to get the truth. Being absolutely clear, they are not glorifying the killer They have a certain set of clues that have been presented by the killer himself, to the best of our knowledge, and the Zodiac sent in these coded messages called ciphers or cryptograms, and the first one 
was sent in three parts to three different newspapers, the San Francisco Chronicle, the San Francisco Examiner, and the Vallejo Times Herald. And then when they were arranged in the correct order, it was a rather simple substitution cipher solved by Don and Betty Hardin that revealed, I like killing people because it's so much fun. It's even more fun than hunting wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. To kill gives me the most thrilling experience. It's even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but you get the general idea. However, the final line of the 408 cipher contained a series of letters that was arranged in a very bizarre order, and to this day it has not been officially decoded. However, my first exposure to Sphery was something that he had shared in a Zodiac Killer Facebook group, and I was going to talk about it on the Zodiac Monday segment, no matter what, because I was like, wow, this person made a rather interesting post about the Z18 code. However, Sphery and I then got in touch, and then we decided to more or less continue onward. It could, I, I decided to do the segment with his permission, and... Um, the Z18 code goes like this. E-B-E-O-R-I-E-T-E-M-E-T-H-H-I-P-T-I. What Sphery did was first unscramble the letters in an exact way. People have been trying this until the end of time. Robert Graysmith talked about how it could mean Robert Emmett the Hippie. Other people have looked at ways to substitute the letters or remove certain letters. Maybe all these letter E's in there, E-B-E-O-R-I-E, maybe those are fillers that should just be removed and it reveals the killer's identity. But what Sphery did was he rearranged the letters in a particular order to O-B-E-T-R-E-E-M-E-E-T-H-I-P-T-I-I-H. Again, that's an unscrambling. Now, why would he unscramble it that way? Because it was written in Pig Latin in his theory, and it's obitre ime ife ipte ihe, straight pig Latin writing, and the ultimate solution is the tip. Hi, I'm Robert. I mean, he has to change a few more lines there. First, it would be um, obitre would be Robert, and that gives the name, and then the words are a little bit out of order, but you get the idea. The final solution is the tip. Hi, I'm Robert. And I've talked about this very clearly on Zodiac Mondays here on this channel, that I don't think the killer put his full name in there. Because if it were solved very easily, which most of the cipher was, and it reveals the killer's name, that he's going straight to jail, or at the very least he's getting arrested and his life could easily be ruined. So the um, I thought that this was a rather credible solution, or reasonable solution, or it's definitely not as far out as some of these um, theories that people have about the Z18 code. So that's how I learned about Sphery and what he had to um, share with me involving the first Zodiac Killer cipher. But you can see from the title of this episode that there might be a new Zodiac Killer discovery, and this is what I really want your opinion on, because at the time, I didn't know that Sphery had a Zodiac Killer suspect, and his name is Robert Volvens. Now, we're not going to reveal a photo of him immediately. I've looked at several photos of him. He does resemble the Zodiac Killer's composite sketch, and the reason we're not revealing the photo is because he is currently alive. He is still living, 
and he was actually born in 1947. He would have been 21 at the time of the first Zodiac shooting, the Lake Herman Road murders, on December 20th of 1968, and then he would have had his birthday, of course, in 1969, and for the majority of Zodiac activity, he would have been 22 years old, so roughly dealing with a 22-year-old Zodiac killer. His height was estimated to have been around 6 feet or even 6 foot 1, and again, those are estimations that have come from from some personal observations that people made about him, not from a document. But this series isn't only going to focus on a suspect and some of the uh, bio statistics and biometrics about him. It's also because I learned as well that Sphery was in the possession of several documents which he claims may have been written by the Zodiac Killer. And yes, indeed, this is unconfirmed. This is his suspect that we are talking about. But I will present them to you on the screen, and I want to know, what do you think about these documents? And please stay tuned to the end. I am not just saying that. Please stay tuned to the end, because there's some very important information that we will need to um, share, some conditions, some very, very important details relating to some of these handwriting samples. And the first um, thing that I would like to note is that there are lots of peculiarities in the Zodiac Killer mystery. There are lots of obscurities. There are things that don't quite make sense, like this um, Z18 code. It's, it's all just a mash of letters. Does it mean anything or not? And then there are the other ciphers, the 340 and the Z13 and the Z32. For the longest time, People thought that the Z340 was a dud, that it had no precise meaning. But in reality, it turns out it did have a precise meaning. And that's the one that says, Hope you're having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up an interesting point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber. That one that was solved just about two years ago, maybe almost approaching three years ago now. I'm not a math person. However, there are two more ciphers the Z13 and the Z32, and they have not been solved to this day. But what is going on with the Zodiac Killer? Why are there all of these things that do not make sense? Misspellings in the letters, mailing greeting cards that have these confusing things that don't quite make sense, confusing imagery that may or may not have a meaning. What is the source of all of that? And the answer that I think after discussing this with Sphery in his own theory is that these are things that his suspect, Robert Volvens, would have learned about by interacting with his family. He came from a family with seven siblings. He had he had six siblings. He was the him plus him, that would make seven. And these are things that he would have learned about and experienced growing up with these people and being around them, and to illustrate some of these concepts. There is a letter that was not written by the suspect, but written by his sister, that has a very similar flow to the Melvin Belli letter that was mailed by the Zodiac Killer on December 20th of 1969. But even more importantly, it features words that have been misspelled for comedic effect, particularly the word Shanghai, as well as 
word stuck is misspelled again with a G, using a G in the word stuck, most likely done for some type of comedic effect or some type of abnormal behavior that this person found entertaining because much like the Zodiac Killer's letters that are filled with misspellings, they have almost a reason to them. You can see that this person was pretty good at spelling words, but when they are presented in some contexts, the Zodiac Killer would misspell words. Perhaps one of the most famous is Christmas is written as Christ Mass, and then this is um quite similar to how the word Shanghai, I guess we would say Shanghai in English. I used to live in China, so we say Shanghai. Shanghai is spelled Shanghai in a very deliberate way. This person most likely knew the correct spelling, but altered it to have some type of alternative meaning or some type of personal touch on the subject. Again, going back to the point, this suspect, Robert Volvens, would have learned about this from his family, or these are things that his family members did. Another example of this is the Zodiac Killer would mail the Halloween card on October 27th of 1970. This is one of the most famous Zodiac Killer correspondences. It was not sent to three different newspapers. It was sent to a single person, Paul Avery, and it features a bunch of eyes staring out of the dark. It has some skeletons on it. One of them is wearing a pumpkin. There's some number clues. And then there is perhaps the most famous aspect of the Halloween card, where it says, by rope, by knife, by gun, by fire. And there's also an example of how a brother of Robert Volvens did the same thing when he was arranging words and names, because around the by, the by rope, by knife, by gun, by fire goes around two Zodiac killer words, slaves and paradise. And the brother of Robert Volvens did this when addressing names and letters. Here's an example of one where he's using the names Thomas and Jean, and they intersect on the letter A. They're written in this type of crisscross format. Now again, the examples that I've just been talking about are from the brother and the sister of the Zodiac Killer suspect, but it fits with the theory that these are things that he would have just been exposed to almost all of his life. His siblings did these things, and it also goes to show you that people are exchanging letters much more frequently in the 1960s, so they're trying to make it a little bit interesting. That's my take on the subject. I wasn't born in the 1960s, but after reading several of these, it seems that these things that um, his siblings are doing is going into a world where there's no internet, there are no emojis, there's no text messaging, so people are trying to make their letters a little bit more interesting and creative. Another thing that was written by the Zodiac Killer that ties into this would be part of something tied to the Mount Diablo Code, which says um, that it concerns radians and inches along the radians, and a letter is inserted in a very similar way to the letter that was written by the sister of Robert Volvens. So they're just piece after piece is coming together, or as Fury, I like to use the term, it's almost like putting it together brick by brick. All of these influences 
have gone into the creation of the Zodiac Killer's letters. And one point, though, on the Halloween card is that there are capital letters and lowercase letters. And the lowercase letters are usually the letter I, like by knife and by fire, are spelled with capital letters, and then there are lowercase letters. This is something that Robert Volvens did very, very frequently in his writing. You can just look at a sample of it. He has all types of capital letters and lowercase letters written together, to the point where I'm almost forced to admit that this was just his natural way of writing. When he's doing this casually, he blended capitals and lowercase letters together. It's not like it's there's anything more than just that was the way that he wrote letters in informal settings, in casual settings. He just developed that habit at some point in his life. And then the next point, though, that I would like to share with you relates to the name Moraga. Because I've put a little bit of this out on the channel, but Sviri has been working on a solution to the Zodiac Killer's Z32 cipher. And it talks about how the Zodiac Killer planned to detonate a bomb, and the cipher clues the reader into where the bomb could be. And it states that it concerns radians and inches along the radians, dealing with the location of the bomb. And I believe Sphiri has um, been really trying to get the exact precise message. In a previous episode, I read off one that Sphiri had created saying, okay, it's in Moraga, California, Deo Valenti, boxed by the W Chapel. But since then, he has found a way to maybe smooth out some of the details in the Z32 cipher, but it's in where Moraga, California, which is on the Zodiac Killer's radian, because the radian doesn't begin at any arbitrary place. The radian comes from the Mount Diablo Code, and Gareth Penn, the researcher who wrote the book Time 17, was very keen to note that if you put a radian on top of Mount Diablo, a radian meaning an angle of 57.29 degrees, the one arm of the radian will go toward Blue Rock Springs Park where Darlene Farron was murdered, and another arm of the radian will go to Presidio Heights where Paul Stein, the final Zodiac killer victim, was murdered. And of course it's not a perfect radian, it's a little bit off. The radian is actually closer to Blue Rock Springs Golf Course rather than Blue Rock Springs Park, but then it continues onward. Oh, sorry, the, a different a different arm of the radian, the one that's going toward the um, the um, San Francisco area, goes through Watchtown, Moraga, California, because it's not simply about identifying the kill sites. Instead, it is about highlighting the location of a bomb. It concerns radians and in location. And inches along the radians will lead to the location of a bomb. Okay, it's in Moraga, California. And again, that's another very reasonable effort, and I'll do a bigger episode on the Z32 cipher talking about some of Sphiri's observations. One of the letters that Sphiri is in the possession of talks very clearly, though, about this person's whereabouts. Like, okay, well, he lived in Moraga, California. Was he originally from California? No. He was from the Midwest. Robert Volvens 
was born in the Midwest, and he was born in a town where the church was across from a place called what? Riverside. Now, I won't reveal the exact name of the town because, again, this person is still alive and don't want anybody poking around in that respect. However, Riverside is, of course, very important for the 1966 murder of Sherry Joe Bates, the first possible Zodiac crime that occurred in Riverside, California. Next, in one of the letters, it states very clearly that in December of 1968, he would not return to the Midwest for Christmas, saying that he was going to stay in California. And as stated, the first Zodiac crime is on December 20th of 1968. That places him in the Bay Area at the time of the first Zodiac murder. So, for all intents and purposes, I think it's fair to say that he was in California, in the San Francisco Bay Area, during the entirety of Zodiac crimes. And you can imagine, 21, 22 years old, I think you guys have already figured it out. Yes, he was a student. Now, how about his education? How does that fit in to all of this? Well, it, it works that he is just someone who's all over the map, learning about all different types of subjects, learning and exploring different subjects. He had a very hard understanding of technical um, fields. For example, in one of the letters, it talks very clearly about how he is very much involved in surveying, and I've discussed this with Sperry to a certain extent, that he had a high understanding of engineering, but one of the things that Robert Folins did in his life was he went on to become the head of an archaeological society. Like I said, he does many different things, and for um, a large portion of his life, he worked in education, but not with engineering, not with surveying, not with archaeology, education in linguistics. So, I mean, he's a rather well-rounded person in terms of education. Some other details. He was never married, and he did some bad things to people in terms of um, crossing certain physical boundaries. I'm not going to say anything more than that because of the YouTube censors. And so that shows there's a certain level of sexual deviance in him. I'm just leaving it at that. I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. But he is someone who seemed like somewhat of a lone wolf, with the exception of being the head of the Archaeological Society. I mean, you have to have some sort of sociable personality connection. And he is very much, though, aware of things like angles and geometrics and philosophy, because the letter that is mailed in December of 1968 is talking about how Robert Volvins wants to stay in California for the Christmas season because he's catching up on his philosophy work. Now, this is something that is, of course, tied to Robert Volvins and the Moraga letters, but this is also just a general Zodiac Killer question. I had the opportunity to talk to Sphiri, and I asked a very open-ended, yet still direct question, and I said, do you believe the Zodiac Killer was trying to make a mockery of 
police officers. Or we can even rephrase that. Do you believe the Zodiac Killer was trying to make a mockery of law enforcement? And the answer that Sphiri gave, I thought, was rather profound when he said, I don't think that's even the beginning. He's like, maybe the maybe the tip of the iceberg, maybe not. It's everything. It's everything. If you're not going to use the tip of the iceberg analogy, maybe just like the ball of yarn, which side is truly the top and the bottom. It depends on which way it's situated. The Zodiac Killer is trying to make a mockery of everything. Society, education, literature, religion, people in their daily lives, security and safety. I mean, let's talk about this stuff very specifically because the Zodiac Killer isn't just making up the stuff out of his head. He is using real quotations from literature that has already been published. I even said the uh, 408 cipher, which has a very direct reference to the most dangerous game or a, a possible parody of it, talking about hunting people for sport. Man is the most dangerous animal of all. How about the um, Halloween card, which contains the by rope, by knife, by gun, by fire, which may be directly attributed to an issue of the Tim Holt comics. But that's a bigger literary form called the Wheel of Death and the Lady of Situations. And it talk, the Death Wheel, I believe, is actually the more technical term, but the Lady of Situations is represented as Lady Doom on the Tim Holt cover, but she is used countless times throughout literature. When I said the Zodiac is mocking religion, the Zodiac is talking about how he is going to commit these murders because he wants to die and be reborn in paradise, and those who he has killed will be his slaves, and education because he's misspelling words, and I, I mean, it's he's making a mockery of absolutely everything, absolutely everything that people could possibly like or have a fascination with other than killing. I mean, anything that people would use for security and safety, the Zodiac is insulting in some way. That's why, of course, the, the criminal and deviant aspect is still intact. And I'm, of course, giving you a pure paraphrasing response of what Sphiri said, and he did it way better than I did. But that's more or less what um, he shared with me, and I thought that that was a pretty, pretty good answer as to what is the Zodiac doing with these crimes. Like, what is the true motivation? Making a mockery of everyone and everything. Final show, the final note that I would share with you about Robert Volvens relates to a small little piece of writing that he included at the bottom of one of his letters when it says that when you almost see the devil, even though the words are written in different places, but if you look at them in a particular way, it's almost like a hidden message or it's um, maybe just a coincidence. However, I think both Sphiri and I thought that that was rather interesting. So, what do I think about this Zodiac Killer suspect, Robert Fulvins, and what do I think about the Moraga letters? To be very clear, how many Moraga letters are there? How many letters does Sphiri have by this suspect? For some reason, I thought originally he had three, and then he was going to um, also share the one that was written by, Sphiri, by uh, Robert Volvins' sister, but then it turns out he actually had many more, and I'm like, how much is many more? How many, how many is that? And he says hundreds that he has access to that are written. So 
The Moraga letters will contain a very large amount of handwriting samples, but what do I think about this suspect? Firstly, I think he's on the taller side for a Zodiac suspect. There are at least two witness sightings of the Zodiac where the Zodiac is referred to and labeled as a five foot eight man. Maybe described is a better, better term than labeled. That's after the Blue Rock Spring shooting by Mike Michaud, the surviving victim, and after the Paul Stein murder, when the Zodiac is described as a five foot eight suspect, and it's possible that Robert Bolvins was as tall as six foot one. The second is this whole thing about blending in capital letters and lowercase letters. Other Zodiac suspects did that. There's a very clear sample of Zodiac suspect McDuff doing the same thing. William McDuff Andrew, a suspect who was widely talked about last year, and I believe on Paul Doerr even did some similar things, and I've done similar things. If you were to look at my own little notes, especially the ones that aren't meant for any type of work-related or business-related or any type of formal function, just the own, my, the notes that I would write down maybe before recording a Zodiac Killer news report, you will find all types of blending of capital letters and lowercase letters. I mean, it's a fact. The fact is that Robert Volvins did that, but at the same time, many different people do this because they um, are just in a more relaxed state of mind, and in that relaxed state of mind, they don't follow all of the traditional rules, and you don't have to. That's um, the whole point, so nothing against anyone who does that. However, Sphiri asked me the direct question, what did I think about it? And I'll share that answer absolutely at the last point. But I had a bigger question. My question to Sphiri was, why me? Why did you choose to share this stuff with me at Black Box Online Radio? Like, did you go to Tom Void of ZodiacKiller.com or Mike Morford or Michael Butterfield? Why did you choose to uh, contact me or to share all of this? And the answer that I got was two-part. The first is that I said some positive things about his solution to the Z18 cipher, so we thought that I was rather open-minded in giving it an honest um, take on the subject, as well as somewhat naturally curious. And the second reason is just to use Black Box Online Radio as a way to share this possible discovery. So if you're somebody who has followed the Zodiac Killer mystery, followed the case, Please say what you think in the comments section down below, and feel free to share this video in Facebook groups, or discuss it in, in forums, or invite people to watch or share in any way. Again, this is not monetized, not selling anything, not promoting anything. The ambition of this series is just to put the information out there and see if somebody can find the truth. If you think there is an absolute reason why Robert Volvin should be eliminated by the end of the series, this is part one, then please say what's going on. Like, say, say the reasons why you don't think he was the Zodiac Killer. Say the reasons why you think these linguistic clues that we've been identifying are not Zodiac-related. Say the reason why you think the Moraga letters are not Zodiac-related. If you think that there's some value in this, or that Safiri was going down the right pathway, Put your ideas in the comments section down below, and um, say the things that you think have merit. And I'll, I'll share my own piece of criticism. Again, criticism, 
series proposed at least two solutions to ciphers and codes which I have evaluated. The, the first is the Z18 one. It says the tip, hi, I'm Robert. I think that that is almost a bit of a deviation from the Zodiac's rather serious tone. Well, then he just makes it almost too casual in the Z18, the tip, hi, I'm Robert. But that is, that is perhaps, though, the clearest solution I've ever heard for the Z18. There's a rhyme, there's a reason, there's a metric to it. And again, first it's the mash of letters, then you unscramble that in a particular way, and then that reveals words that are in Pig Latin. And after you translate the words to English, you can assemble them in a particular way, and it reveals the tip, hi, I'm Robert, the first name. And Sphiri has a solution to the Z32 involving Moraga, California. Now, here is something that I cannot tell you. Sphiri has a solution to the Z13 cipher, and I can't tell you what it is because I don't know. I haven't learned that one yet. That has not yet been revealed to me. But speaking to a third party who has evaluated it said, Ned, once you see Sephiri's solution to the Z13 cipher, it's going to be something like out of the movie A Beautiful Mind. It's all just going to make sense. And I don't even know what that is. Perhaps I will learn throughout the course of the series, and I'll be corresponding and communicating with Sphiri. But I told you I would respond to that question when Sphiri openly asked me, What do you think about the case, his theory, his suspect? And then I learned something that I thought was um, just absolutely earth-shattering, that threw me back to square one, and I had absolutely no idea. My honest answer was, I have no idea now. And that is that these two samples of handwriting that appear to be the most similar are just little notes that I'm showing you. I think they look an extraordinarily um, close match for the Zodiac. They look extraordinarily similar to the Zodiac's handwriting. But what I learned was that those two pieces of handwriting were not written by the suspect, Robert Volvens, no. Those two pieces of handwriting were written by one of his brothers. And that's when things started to get weird. But if you want to find out how this is connected, and I assure you, it is. Absolutely. That is not game over. That is not the end of this story. But please tune in for next week's episode for the um, part two in the Zodiac Killer Possible Discovery series on the Moraga letters. I want to be very precise. There are pieces of handwriting that Sphiri is in the possession of that may have been written by the Zodiac Killer if it is true that his suspect, Robert Volvens, was the Zodiac and committed these crimes. And that, again, again, talking about the handwriting. There, there is an explanation, I assure you, but please tune in to next week's episode and find out how all of this stuff will tie together, and this will be an ongoing series, but I cannot stress it enough. Put your ideas in the comments section down below. Share this episode. Whatever you want to say, please say it, because that's why um, Sferi wanted to do this series, to know what people who had followed the case would think. 
And that's all for me now. Thank you so much for listening to part one, and please stay tuned for part two if you're listening to this in the playlist, or if you're going to be following these episodes as they come out regularly. Until next time, and goodbye.